0: hi hi hello again hi thank you so much for that um okay so this is not supposed to be a very like academic thing um yeah but i want it to be you know very accessible and just the kind of language that is overall like used in your project and just you know the ethos of that just translated in this conversation so um yeah okay so Inish, uh, I would just like to start with you telling us a little about yourself and about the project.
1: Alright, alright. So, I, my name is Sadia Gritesi, I'm um, a, an artist and um, I guess you would call me an academic because I'm also pursuing a Uh but I've been a journalist in Pakistan for uh, the last 10 years. Um, Um, So my my own interests are, you know, understanding how a visual culture can can help us understand the world, can help us understand international relations and just make sense of uh, the politics around us. Um, the project LASAN in that sense is a, a visual media project where we are trying to reconnect partitioned witnesses with their, with their ancestral homes um, using VR technology, 360 degree film, and uh, other immersive ways to take them back home. Um, and the idea is basically that since uh, India and Pakistan all have always had a conflictual relationship, and it's very difficult to get visas, and these people also because of their age can now not really travel. Um, so for me, like, uh, use new technologies to immerse them in you know their childhood um, memories. Um, so that's what Project Daspan does. We have teams in India and Pakistan, we're building a team in Bangladesh and um, we basically track the stories of partition survivors. Um, then we, our teams in, uh, in India or Pakistan try to find their villages, find their homes. Uh, find out if they still exist and what they are like today and then film them and then the last step is kind of to show it back to the partition uh, witness but also you know um, around it create a discussion for younger audiences uh, about partition and about storytelling hmm.
0: okay Um. so how you the way that you mentioned memory so yeah. you know memory is very uh, it can be outsourced it can be collected and it can also be just generated from the person who you are, you know, interviewing or talking to and trying to connect them back to their homes. So what is your standard procedure of collecting this memory? Um,
1: okay, so our researchers and um, mostly it's been like all the interviews we, we've done, um, I have generally headed them except when we need like other language support. Um, so we make sure our uh, whoever's going out to interview is uh, trained in oral history method um, that they are trained in understanding uh, how trauma works um, the point of our interviews is not to re-traumatize people um, or when they're trying to you know remember the um, uh, history of uh, partition and what happened to them but to understand how they felt when they were leaving and to uh, make a connection between um, the joyous memories that existed before traumas of partition um, to provide a more holistic view of uh, their memory. So our approach towards that kind of memory is not just the memory of the horror of partition and the loss of leaving and migration and how people died and suffered uh, but Uh, you know, what type of culture and shared exchanges existed before that and try to find if they still exist today. Um, So we still believe that memory can often be unreliable uh, but we also believe that uh, memory is a way to understand perspectives and experiences. So it can never be discounted as a a method uh, to understand people and so mostly our work then relates to um, the oral history method. Okay.
0: Um, that does make a lot of sense. Besides that, uh, you talked about a 360 uh, virtual reality exhibition of the memory and sort of creating this memory palace which resonates with them and which reminds them of their home. So, how do you go about that? Um, so, uh, we have like two uh, projects
1: that we currently are going on in tandem. Uh, with the other team, I'm not the only founder of this organization. Sam Darimple and Sparsh Bhuja uh, who are based in um, the UK and in and in India and you know Australia, they travel a lot. Um, so what we're trying to do is firstly we have the a social impact uh, angle. Where we're trying to, whoever we can find who survived partition is still alive today and wants to kind of revisit their ancestral homes to give them that immersive experience. So that's usually done through um, um, taking around, you know, a 360 GoPro um, to the locations. It has to do with a lot of fieldwork and research, which because of COVID-19 is kind of paused. But we... Mm -hmm. um, just like go out with uh, a team and try to find, you know, whatever they've told us in, in an initial sit down interview. Uh, so sometimes those places are there, sometimes they're not, sometimes they've changed. Um, and then we also try to find people, Um, and film them if they have any messages for the other side, if they still remember, you know, the people who used to live here 70 years ago. And we have also made those like uh, connections between old friends and people who, you know, uh, remembered each other from 70 years ago. So that's one way to do it. Uh, The 360 film kind of gives the partition witness a 360 turning experience. So they're not walking in an environment, they're standing. Um, but they can basically navigate it through a 360 movement. So they can turn around in it and see what's around them. Um, So in many cases, for example, you know, if you're standing on top of a hill or if you're standing on the ceiling of your childhood home, it's a very intense experience. Um, uh, Mm -hmm. So that's one way to do it. Um, uh, And we have to consider the age of our participants. So it can't be too much movement. We can't like take them on like physical tours of these places because... Um, uh, it might produce feelings of sickness or dizziness so it has to be a very like well thought out way to film those locations and then put them in um, the VR space Um, so when they're experiencing it they're wearing VR glasses Uh, we generally use the the Oculus headset Um, and you know somebody we always make sure that a family or carer is always there um, in case they feel overwhelmed or they don't want to you know go further with the experience but generally we've had a positive response the other thing that we're doing with vr and 360 is to actually create, create an actual animated um uh, environment of partition um so we are working on this uh, vr film called child of empire where we're going to, um, and this is for general audiences, that this is an experience of what happened um, during August 1947. Um, So you can walk through with um, these people who are experiencing partition and kind of understand the environment and the motivations and how they felt and what they felt. Um, So it's kind of like, you know, uh, we can help put anybody uh, in the shoes of a partition witness, but also like give them a walk through history.
0: That is really powerful, (laughs) Um, so I was going through your website and I kind of got an idea of how old these people are and I can also relate because my own grandmother is a partition survivor and I have been um, collecting her stories since forever as long as I, you know, how they have all these interesting stories of their old childhood homes and um, everything. So being a collector in a weird sense myself um i somehow feel that you know collecting all of these things and then not being able to exactly make sense out of them might sometimes be really difficult so has it ever happened with you um in this entire project where you would have been collecting something but then you know it didn't materialize as you would have wanted to and Uh, what if you possibly gave somebody the hope to um reconciliate them or reconnect them to their house and or their memory or their childhood and it uh, fizzled out it didn't happen so just some drawback i think it's like part of
1: the process when you're exploring something that's so old and you also kind of made a promise Mm -hmm. to give these people who are contacting you this this I would say maybe closure um, to see their up in -hmm. 70 years because we're not just an archiver actually, you know, interacting with these people and, you know, giving them something back. Um, So in that sense, we haven't just we're not just an academic archive that's uh, collecting uh, data. Um, So yeah, it happens very often. In fact, Um, one of the ways that has happened is that that's basically um, has been a very uh, emotional for us as a team is that often we've gone out to interview Mm -hmm. someone. Um, And uh, we have found like, you know, because it takes so long to set everything up, make sure there's a team in India or Pakistan, make sure we have permissions, that um, a a few of our partition survivors have passed away uh, without being able to, you know, see their homes one last time. Um, So that in fact is like very emotional because we also get attached to these stories and um, some of the stories we hear are like uh, uh, my own family is from Lahore, Um, some of the partition witnesses remind me of my grandparents so I do want to make sure that they they see their homes once again and you know we provided free service it's they're not charged anything um so that's one of the ways in which you know loss has happened in our project the other issue is obviously right now with the pandemic um and the situation that india and pakistan Mm -hmm. are in that it's impossible for us to do field work um so uh we have for the last seven months not been able to film those vr uh, clips to show our partition survivors and, you know, the more times it passes, the more chances that we may not be able to, um, um, uh, you know, do well on our our promise to show these people their homes. Uh, So COVID-19 has really, like, made us, you know, uh, uh, constrain our work and the amount of people we wanted to show their homes. Initially, we thought that we would show uh, 75 partition witnesses their homes uh, before the 75th anniversary i think it's 2022 um but now because of this situation we we're 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 just making sure that we can you know uh the people that we've interviewed we first finish those stories and maybe aim around 20 to 20 35 um, if we can, um, and if things get better, um, so that's part of the the process all the time. That and, and it's, it's, it's other ways as well. Like this one partition witness, he told us about his village. Um, uh, but when we went there, um, we were told that you know that village has disappeared. There's just a tree left there now, <clears throat> so that his village doesn't exist anymore. So that's another element of loss. Uh, when you actually think about it that you know um, this place that you've thought about all your life and never been able to go back to doesn't exist anymore
0: (laughs) yeah wow that's a lot Um, and also the the fact that you are so emotionally invested in this it must it might seem like a personal loss as well because where do you draw the line between um, you know such emotionally charged Projects and yeah, uh, I mean,
1: it, yeah, it also like I, I to some extent you have to be that emotionally involved for it to work because you know we're working as a charity we we're built on donations and the grants that we've got, um so it's mostly like uh it's the three co-founders and then the team we built all those people are working. Just because I love the project and I love the idea, nobody's you know making bank from this. Um, So it has to be uh, us emotionally involved. Uh, But you know, I think after like we've been doing this for two years, after time, um, you do kind of uh, end up turning into like from going to like into researcher mode. Uh, in a sense, you do kind of uh In a sense, when you you this is what you've been doing for two years, so there is that as well that you do to some extent. Get detached, and I think that's important if you yourself don't want to be traumatized. The first initial interviews I did, especially the stories that we recorded, that were, you know, really um, terrible stories of people losing everything, losing their family. You know, the, these two um, cousins from uh, who migrated from um, near Nagar in India, in Indian Punjab, to Pakistan, told us the story of like, you know, and the way they they phrased it was that ours is a story of water, blood, and soil. Um, um, And that was their journey and and, you know so after that story like I kind of needed a couple of days off because it was so sad you know when they talked about like we crossed the Pakistan border and we literally fell on our knees and uh, kissed the ground that we were on Um, and they started crying and I started crying um so you know it is it is these, these stories are just so personal um that you know you kind of also have to take care of the researcher that's going on to do them and make sure that you know there's no um impact on the mental health of the researchers as well as the the um, interviewees yeah okay so
0: um Now that you know I have um, and I'm sure the people who are listening to us also have an idea of what the project is and you know how it functions and what is the method of archiving so I was just wondering if you would have to locate this, um, locate yourself this project in a larger like framework of collecting historical evidence and archiving and you know because partition is one of the biggest migration that has ever taken place of um, people. So where would you put it? and how do you think it's impacting like a larger, you know collection of data for the parties? Um, I think uh, we are definitely on the more experimental side of this. Um,
1: I know wonderful archives exist of uh, partition stories and um, now those archives are also expanding to understand what happened in 1971 um, and various other um, uh, historical events uh, but I definitely think that we're kind of like more experimental uh, avant-garde kind of archivists in that sense so most of our archives are will be um, VR archives, they're going to be more digital, there's going to be more video footage um, and I feel that... Uh, research in the way that we do it um it might become more more accessible to younger audiences and that was one of our initial uh, ideas in the beginning as well because um partition stories and you know there are countless partition stories but how many people actually go to an archive open up a story read it front to end and understand what a person went through um so uh, what we are doing is trying to find ways where um it engaging with this uh, uh, literature, in a sense, becomes uh, easier for audiences, younger people can re-engage and also uh, one of our key uh, motivations is to understand the shared culture. Of the Indian subcontinent, um, as younger people, mm-hmm. uh, your generation and mine, can now reconnect not based on you know what they've read in the the history textbooks and schools and these ideas of Pakistan bad and India good and that kind of thing to understand well you know there's there's more to this people live together uh uh, not without conflict but they did live together all the time and conflict is a part of community and a part of society and just like you know i'll I'll give you this very interesting um, thing that happened with us so we were um, researching field researching one of our locations and we found in one of the towns where our partition witness migrated from there was a little mazar and that mazar didn't just have um, uh, islamic iconography it also had sikh and hindu iconography within that mazar um, and it was a place where regardless of your faith anybody could come and pray um, and that is something that is uh, existed has existed for the last 4 500 years um, but slowly disappearing and i'm sure other people will have problems with that type of uh, idea of religion or worship but uh, it clearly shows that there there's a history of syncretism of people engaging with each other's religion and people respecting each other and each other's idea of what religion is um and you would find that in small villages of india you wouldn't find it in the big cities anymore um so can we like where is the archive or where is the research that is recording, you know, these uh, little, um, um, you know, outliers of our history and the connection between the South Asian region?
0: Yeah, especially if you think of how fascist India has become now, and <laughs> might be a little offensive to say it, but even us like even if you look at Pakistan we're very very extremist and we don't even give space to our own minorities so let alone you know think about a physical a material remnant of um, something that existed something like so back in time and connecting religions it's impossible to even think of Um, but yeah thank you so much for this conversation and would you like like to add anything to it if like should people know anything about this people who are not like here people from this I think that
1: uh, for people who are not from the south asian region or do not have this ancestry uh, i think it's important to Understand global history in the sense that is truly global, because as you said, that partition was one of the biggest global events that ever happened. That extent of migration, the world has never seen before, and then the deaths that preceded. Um, and it's it's part of the history of empire and colonialism. And I, I feel that um, there's very few people outside of these contexts, these uh, post-colonial contexts, who who want to engage or understand this kind of history? Um, so one of the things that we're doing is we're trying to lobby the UK government uh, to ensure that partition is um, a bigger has gets a bigger um, place in GCSE curriculums uh, because this is British history. Um, one of the biggest events that happened um, uh, uh, in British history is the colonization of uh, the Indian subcontinent, but nobody is willing to talk about it, acknowledge it. Uh, or you know really um, uh, engage with it and I think like with the uh, Black Lives Matter protest and you know this idea of taking down statues I think this is the time now uh, for uh, people to um, start engaging with this kind of history where and, and acknowledge the fact that this is not area studies this is not Indian history this is actually global history your history, um, and, and you know your the people, or your people, or um, the British were here when this happened, um, and which is why our uh, relations within the, between India, Pakistan, and Bangladesh are so fraught today. Um, it, it goes back. Um, So I think that is one message that I would say to people from outside the region that, you know, as global history, this needs to be understood and engaged with, and it should not be dismissed as, you know, uh, brown people um, uh, becoming emotional over the past. Um, but secondly, also, I feel like, you know, if you're interested in uh, new technologies and you, ha- you want to engage with new ideas of how to understand your histories, uh, do have a look at our website, uh, projectdastan.org and engage with us on our social media. Um, and have a look and give us some feedback about, you know, what you think of uh, the work we're doing. And lastly, talk to your grandparents. You know, there's only so long that we have. Then we can, you know, hear their stories and understand um, what they went through, whether it was through partition or after.
0: Thank you so much. That was wonderful. Um, And I hope you guys actually get to do this more often. And COVID subsides, and you're able to shoot. Yeah, thank you so much for Um, having me. This was a nice conversation yeah i am been Bye. My-